If it's difficult to imagine how supporting one candidate over another could feel so grave and high stakes, I'm thinking about how a friend of mine put it. She said something like, quote, there was actually a name for the people in Germany who supported Hitler, but not his hatred for Jewish people. See, there were a lot of people who admired Hitler's focus on restoring Germany's sense of pride and respect on the world war stage on the world stage after World War I. Many Germans supported Hitler's leadership because he initiated smart domestic economic policies and great public work programs like building the Autobahn. And the name for these people who had Jewish friends and neighbors and not an ounce of dislike in their hearts for anyone, the name for these people is Nazis. Welcome back to Leadership, Legacy, and Love. It's been a while since I've been in this space and so much has happened. Thank you for subscribing and listening and sharing this podcast. My heart's been heavy for the most part, although my work has been swift and, and, and fruitful. And so have my prayers. And I'm grateful for that in this season. What I just read um, is an anonymous um, post shared um, by someone I've, I know and I've met on social media, but who has a private account. And while I'm not speaking to know if the anecdote itself is specifically accurate, I do know history tells us um, that the facts it contains, the point it makes is very accurate. That in fact, there were Germanies, Germans who uh, went along with the Nazi party because it restored their pride, because it restored their sense of, of country um, and of superiority in their country, how great their country was. Um, and you know, there were public works programs and, and things that you know, benefited people. And people chose to turn the other way and overlook so many of, of Hitler's uh, other statements. And by the time it led to the atrocities and people having their Jewish neighbors and gay neighbors taken away to be slaughtered, it was too late to stop him. And I think for anyone to say that this is simply a political discourse that we're having that's gone awry is, is naive. And for the most part, what I've seen about that naivete, it has a certain tinge to it. It's usually white and it's always privileged. And I include myself in having a little bit of that privilege, but um, I think now it's, it's certainly too hard to ignore. And so we're not just talking about, you know, voting <laughs> and, and having a political discourse that would make things uh, so much easier. And I'm going to you know, run through a few uh, you know, quotes today. Um, William Matthews SX, who's on Instagram, you can read this for yourself from his October 2nd post. I'm growing tired of memes that suggest I'm less interested in how you vote than how you treat the other side. Nope. How you vote is about how you treat the marginalized. It says a lot more about you than how you treat someone from a different party. I'm interested in how you vote. Also tired of, quote, I'm not going to judge people for how they vote. And I've, I've been there until until now. Sure, that could be true if the platform issues were government size and tax reform. But this year's election is about voting out a racist, misogynist, Christian mocking, military shaming, tax evading, elitist bully who lies over and over just about every time he's interviewed. So, yes, I'm judging you by how you vote. And, and William Matthews from, you know, has attested to be a Christian. And I know the idea of judging others is harsh. So I don't know if I, if I want to hold on to that element of it. But, but in terms of who I choose to associate with and be in community with, it's certainly true in this moment. Because the choice and the decision that our nation faces here in America couldn't be any clearer. My God. My God. 
And uh, it's been very interesting to hear the correlation. And there was a New York Times uh, podcast that came out this morning. It's Friday, October 9th, as I record this sitting here. And they interviewed people in, I think, northeastern Pennsylvania who were primarily, I think, you know, Trump country. The 87 percent, I think, of one community that was a person interviewed. So 87 percent of the people in their community only have high school education. And and one of the things one of the people interviewed said that uh, Hillary Clinton made people feel bad about themselves. And this is predominantly work, white, working class, high school educated community where President Trump made us feel proud to be who we were. And I certainly understand that being black American, you want to be proud of who you are. But it sounds eerily like Hitler. You know, this person came and did good. It made me feel good about myself. And it's a feeling, and it's an emotion, and, and, and we get caught up in it as humans. And it's a spirit. And uh, the battles of this warfare are not carnal and not flesh and blood. We, we battle against spiritual principalities and so I'm fasting and praying I encourage you to do the same um, there are other groups that are, that are doing it I'll uh, put some of the links to those into the description of this podcast I encourage you in this season to be prayerful and I've been taking it uh, personally to not invest my time and, and encourage and slowly been able to help others in my family pull back their time from engaging with people um, who, who will overlook so many things um, and are choosing to fervently support our current president and cast a ballot to see that this continues. Um, and it's hard to fathom and understand. I know we live in silos and bubbles and um, outside instigators engaging on social media to push us to either side of the perspective of the political sphere is real. And the fact that our current president has used this to his advantage to foment uh, the resentment and hate is real. Um, racism is real. Um, the lack of economic opportunity for whites in Appalachia and Northeast Pennsylvania, as well as lack of opportunity for black and brown folks in, in L.A. and Baltimore and, and Cleveland and Houston and New Orleans and LA and it is equally as real. So how do we get out of this? And and we have to act, but we have to also remember that the, the war, that what we're battling are spirits. And that's kind of heavy. And I don't think everybody's prepared to get into that. I feel like the white church is not prepared to get into that, especially in this country. We're too comfortable. Um so where are we, Christian America? Where are we, white Christian America? My God, my God. <laughs> uh, it's just so hard in this season um, to grapple with these realities and um, to hold on to the facts of the nature of this battle that we're in um, for the soul tree, um, for the soul of our brothers and sisters of all stripes and walk of life. Um, and I was truly hopeful at different points. I was hopeful in seeing the nomination of Kamala Harris to be the vice president on the Democratic ticket and being able to look at my daughters and say, there's a brown girl like you who grew up, who went to Howard and went to law school and is now a senator and hopefully will be our next vice president. Um, 
I was hopeful in that moment, but the hope is very short-lived with, as the coronavirus tally continues and as the threats against the post office continue and as the threats against voting and the casting out of ballots and the dis- disenfranchisement of people, humans, those who were made in the likeness of Jesus Christ continues to be threatened. The enemy and the, the sin and the spiritual the spiritual and moral depravity of white supremacy in the fear of, of our country's shifting demographics and the playing into that, you know, the president going to Minnesota and saying people have good genes and the ability for so many white Christians, people who say they're Christians to overlook these facts and to cheer this on for the sake of Supreme Court justices who may or may not change the law in changing the law and criminalizing abortion may or may not remove abortion from the face of earth. I think it's less <laughs> likely. And I, I'm, I could get into the reports and the research that, that tells you that um, historically, I think in the last 40 years, when Democrats have been president, abortion rates have gone down. When Republicans have been president, abortion rates go up. And there's a direct correlation between the welfare economically of women, the ability of women to earn money, the ability of women to access health care, support for social safety programs that help uh, reduce teenage pregnancy and and other programs, um, access to birth control, help reduce abortion. No one wants aborted lives, aborted babies. No one does. But how do we as society fix it? Do we use force to fix it, right? You know, banning it in the law is not going to end it, right? And people want to talk about, uh, you know, law and order. Um, I think law and order to so many means subjugation and oppression to people who look like me. And we've heard that ring before, law and order. But at what cost? And the thing is, we represent, as a Christian, we represent a, 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 a savior who... Uh, was above the law in the purest sense, right? His top law was love, right? His, his law was love. And how do we overcome? And, and he was a disruptor. He was a revolutionary. And, and he was uh, attacked and killed for what he represented. That was the antithesis of the law. So it's hard to understand um, and to really want to understand who white Christians see and know Jesus to be. In the New Testament, in the new compact we have with our Savior in the New Testament, who is Jesus in this moment? And I, I haven't gotten an answer. I haven't asked the question enough and probably don't have many people around me to answer that and don't, don't know. Um, even if I did, if, if I could get an answer that would be satisfactory, to be quite frank. Um, so again, I try to remind myself that the, wet war, the warfare we are in is spiritual in nature, um, man. So I want to be hopeful that um, changes can come, but we see what's happening with right-wing militia attempting to kidnap and murder the governor of Michigan, and this is acceptable. And people still want to support a president who wants to foment this kind of hate, stand back and stand by. Um. I'm at a loss. (laughs) I'm at a loss. And I'm just praying my way through this podcast. Thank you for listening. It won't be much longer, I promise. But I did want to come into this space 
uh, with the spirit of love and the spirit of transparency about where I am. And as I've said before, I do this for my daughters that they may one day listen to this and understand this moment in history and be able to uh, learn from it so that it does not repeat. Um, but I am hopeful for uh, a revival of sorts, for a repositioning of what it means to be a follower of Jesus as a result of what we're seeing. I am hopeful um, and praying for that and praying that there may be more of a willingness and openness um, to think beyond um, the gamification of our political sphere where folks use issues like abortion to drive a wedge and use issues like race and fear of black people taking over the suburbs <laughs> to, to drive fear. And instead people will look to, to Christ and look to love and how can I help the single pregnant woman as opposed to protesting Planned Parenthood? How can I love and serve uh, the, the women and the families in, in our community who, who are struggling? who may have questionable immigration status as opposed to supporting a president who would put them in cages and separate their children from them. So I, I just, you know, ba I'm baffled by the level of pride and arrogance upon which um, we as Americans continue to proceed thinking that we can't d devolve into what we saw in Nazi Germany. And I think that threat is as real as ever I wouldn't say it's likely, not yet, but the threat is real because it doesn't take much of a, of a, of a moral uh, and, and mental leap to get to that point under certain, under the right circumstances. And as you've seen in 2020, <laughs> the unimaginable is not, is, not, is not too far off if we're not careful, if we don't wear a mask and <laughs> social distance, right? You know, the, the super spreader event will happen. As some people are learning, as our, our, our government is learning and as our national security is compromised by this outbreak. And so I'm just praying for our, um, our democracy. I'm praying for our leaders. I'm praying particularly for my white Christian brothers and sisters um, who I truly think are missing who Christ is and have been raised in a culture and in a bubble and with the um, perspective that is of this world and driven by values that are of this world and not values of the gospel to love thy neighbor as thyself and to have no other God not the God of especially not the God of a leader of a country any country the God of a pastor and I say black folks aren't guilty of some of these same sins Lord help us all but in this moment our democracy is at stake and I believe, I do believe, in spite of all the horrors that have led to the democracy being formed on these lands and the extermination of our native indigenous people as we prepare to celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day, and the horrors of slavery and the horrors of the, and the abuse of, of, of immigrant labor, of Asian, Chinese, Japanese labor, Japanese internment, I could go on and on and, and list the horrors and the discrimination that's taken place and the horrors that continue in this economic downturn that we're facing. Even despite I do want to believe that what so many have meant for evil, God can use for good, and that includes the United States of America, and I still want to believe there's some good that this country and we as a people that currently inhabit this land can be used for collectively as a civic political body that God can still use us.
And that doesn't mean all of us have to believe the things that I believe or that you might be believe with me as a fellow Christian, if you're listening, if you're not, but that God can still use the wealth and the intelligence and the resources and the vastness of this land to do good and to do right by people and to truly practice uh, restorative justice. There can be no rec- rec- reconciliation, if you know, um, and that's a whole other topic for another episode about reconciliation without restitution. We have to restore. And so I hope in the coming weeks that we'll be able to begin to restore some of what's been lost um, in our civil discourse, that we'll begin to restore what's been lost um, in terms of our economy and the ability of the needs to be met by those, at least of these in our society, to be able to have access to health care, access to clean air and water, to have access to education and, and jobs. I want to believe that we can restore in this season So hang on. (laughs) I think we're in for a bumpy ride. I do believe there will be violence. I don't promote it. I don't wish for it. But we're already seeing evidence. And we have leaders who will not commit to a peaceful transition and who are attacking the ballot. And in doing so are attacking the image of God. There's a wonderful uh, podcast you you can check out. Um, I listen to regularly um, Jim Wallace, uh, Reverend Jim Wallace, Soul of the Nation. Um, he had Barbara Skinner, Reverend Barbara Skinner. They're doing co- co- lawyers and collars to have lawyers and people, pastors to go out to the ballot box and to the polling places to protect the, val- the ballot and to uh, bring peace and discourage violence and to make sure that the laws are followed and everybody has access to the ballot. All the people who are made in God's image have access to the ballot, Matthews 25. So denying the ballot uh, to men and women is, is denying the image of God. Made fiercely in his image and given free will to vote for who they choose. And it's hard to just not think that White Americans want to keep this country by denying the rights of certain citizens that look like me, brown and black, and others to vote. I think they said for the first time this year, fifth kindergartners or first graders are predominantly people of color. I think the predominant, the largest cohort of people under 15 are predominantly people of color, so white are no longer in the majority. I think that fear drives and that perspective and those values of white supremacy drive a lot of this energy. It really does. And so um, I hope people can be reflecting and praying into that reality. Um, the shifts in our country that are going to come. And that are already underway. And why access to power has been more than has meant more than abiding by the laws and the spirit of the laws and the rules and the constitution of this country to allow the people to decide what this land will be. And I'm not saying the Democratic ticket is perfect. God knows Mr. Biden was probably my fourth or fifth choice down the list. And there may be even one or two Republicans I might prefer, to be very frank. 
but you want a government that's honorable. You want leaders that are accountable and that you can be, that can be held to account and that will tell the truth and, and have integrity. And then, you know, and I'm not saying every president can tell all the truth. And I know some of I've, I've studied presidential leadership, so I'm a little more learned in this studied in this area. But I understand um, there's a difference than what we've had. <laughs> there's a difference. And I think everybody can note the difference. And I'm going to be writing a blog post. I already have a draft. I just need to finish it. Um, and it's, it's going to, you know, we'll see if it shakes some things up. Um, but I'm saying uh, there's no such thing as white Christians. And there's no white folks in the Bible. White was a man-made uh, idea, concept of race that was made to separate people, to conquer and to destroy and to provide a means for which a certain group of people could hold power and even enslave or subdue and kill a group, another group. And so these types of ideas that are man-made are not of God and need to be rejected and fought vehemently in the spiritual realm, but also need to be fought and stood against practically. And so again, in this moment to, um, to be uh, engaged with, with folks who cannot, who are not of the same spirit. Um, I can pray and love you from afar where you are, but I don't have the privilege of being in a relationship. Maybe some of my white brothers and sisters feel that they do and they can compromise because they can't imagine what could happen on the other side if things continue in this regard and in this spirit. So I'm praying and fasting Stinging true to the only thing that will be here, Alpha Omega, beginning and the end, because this world's passing away. We know that. Those of us who read the Bible, this won't be here forever. This country, us as people, as you know, I ain't living forever. Maybe somebody listening thinks they can. So I just embrace the spiritual reality of where we are and just try to stay true to what I believe God's put me on this earth to do so I think that's all I have for now I just want to encourage you don't be discouraged don't be discouraged lean in to, to your prayer life lean into who God's having you to be lean into investing with your family get off of social media fast it you're not trying you're not you're not winning hearts you're not um loving someone through an argument on social media so listen with your spiritual ears in this season don't let the media and, and everything else cloud you and your thinking don't let other people cloud you in your thinking to overreact to a situation or to a circumstance because we're all a little bit on edge we're all stressed and we're all stretched in different ways because of covid because of the racial because of this election and, and the dialogue and the tone in our country right now. So I'm just praying for peace and for love and for the a peace that provide that surpasses all of our understanding to abide um, across this land and to win the day and to win during this election as votes are being cast now and will be cast through November 3rd and, and counted probably beyond that. So stay tuned and stay woke on that point. Um, and I couldn't love you if I didn't love you. And I'm just... Looking for answers to understand. I don't know what my white brother, my white Christian brothers and sisters are, are going to be able to uh, 
to put down their whiteness, so to speak, which is such a driving force into the mythology. And I do say mythology of what it means to be American and what this country is supposed to be about. And I think there lies the, and lies the rub that our current president is uh, leveraging, attempted to leverage, and so far has successfully leveraged to his advantage. But um, I believe in, in God's grace will be with us and will uh, restore us, allow us to, to be restored and to improve and to do better by the least of these at the end of the day. And the least of these, not just here in the States, but the least of these all over the world, where we could perhaps really be the shining light on the top of the hill. God bless you. You want to follow along. I'm at, at Russell Fugit across social media. You can visit RussellFugit.com to learn more about me and what I'm working on. See if I get back in this space before the election. I know it's been a while, but I'm keeping hope. I'm keeping love and keeping joy in my heart. And um, look out for that blog post. I got I to gotta buckle in and spend some time with the Lord to get it right because it's going to shake some people up. It's going to shake some people up. But I've been reading uh, James Baldwin and, and, and reading um, Eddie Glaude, professor of Princeton's book, Beginning Again. I named a podcast episode, kind of stole the name. And um, to embrace whiteness is truly a moral choice. And I just feel so many of our Christians have it backwards there. White first, American second, and Christian third. And I really feel like it should be the other way around. I'm, you know, Christian first. The kingdom culture over earthly culture, right? Kingdom culture over the Constitution. Kingdom culture over the laws of this land or any other, right? So that's what we need to lean into. And so, trying to have grace and love and mercy and try to make sure I'm taking the stick out of my eye first before I try to take the stick out of my brother's eye. But to this point, I feel I'm, uh, I feel in my spirit that I can lovingly share these thoughts and these points. And perhaps someone will, on another end, maybe it's now, maybe it's one day in the future who hears this will receive them um, and have a new revelation as to who Christ is and what that means for us in this moment. So I'll end right there. I love you. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and share. God bless.